and welcome to Off Curve. I'm Wicked Good, and I'm talking to you about Hearthstone on my drive home from work. It is Monday, May 7th, 2018. Um, I'll, I'll go through louder quick because there's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, and, and this is something of a quote-unquote emergency episode because we just got where the balance changes are coming. So, you know, I usually like to hold off on my wild speculation until I know that balance changes are actually a thing that are happening. Um, and they are. So we're going to do that. But before I do that, so um, I'm, I'm back down to rank five. I've been kind of bouncing around four and five. Was up to three for a little bit. Uh, trying a whole bunch of stupid stuff that I probably shouldn't be playing on ladder because that's what the first week of the season's for. And um, and I played uh, some Brawl CM. Uh, this week, because the Tavern Brawl unexpectedly was a standard Brawl CM, which was kind of a nice change of pace for the first week of the season. Kind of give something to do while all of the Legend players are getting to Legend, and let the rest of us kind of dork around and play against some really weird decks. So, um, I got a 7-win run with Taunt Druid, I got a 6-win run uh, with Shutterwalk Shaman, I wasn't really try-harding, I just kind of can't, I, I may, I may start, I, I found Zixos Paladin, which is an even paladin that doesn't waste time with all the silver hand recruits shenanigans and just plays things like Argent Commanders and, um, and, and like all the other good two drops and four drops without having to spend space on silver hand recruit, um, types of, types of, uh, board, you know, fill up a board and then hit your opponent in the face with it. Cause I just found that's not consistent enough. I mean, it's still a deck that runs Knife Juggler, but what are you going to do? Um, but anyway, so I may try that, but I keep getting distracted by shiny things. Like, I just saw that John Bray posted an Even Warrior that I'd like to try. I spent a day playing Shutterwalk Shaman. And, and you know, at, at the end of the day, it's a game, and I want to have fun. And it's not all about your rank at the end of the day. So I wanted to make sure to spend some time playing some weird stuff. And uh, Shutterwalk Shaman sure was. Um, you can go watch my VOD from last night's stream for that. There was a... Shutterwalk Shaman versus Control Paladin game that I did not expect to be playing last night that um, it turned out to be a lot of fun. And and I like, you know, I like the Brawl of Seam because you, you get a different class of player that may not be tryharding per se. Sorry, I wasn't turning fast enough for that person behind me if you could hear that, apparently. Um, but... You know, it, it, you, you see it to see a, a few different things. You don't just see just the meta decks. Like, people are a little bit more willing to try something weird because they know that it's not all going to be meta decks at, you know, rank four, and you don't have meta reports and stuff like that. So it was fun seeing some of that different stuff. And, uh, yeah, it, I mean, I would have liked to get a 12-run run, but I didn't really need to. And, um, you know, that was still a pretty, pretty decent results as far as I'm concerned. But um, back to the grind. But we have, we have some wild speculation to do, so we should probably um, just get into that. All right, so, um, you know, there were some rumblings over the weekend of um, Ixar was posting some cryptic things on, on Reddit and on Twitter. Um, Ixar is one of the, the game developers, if you're not familiar, and saying that they were watching some cards and that they were very likely going to be making a change, reverting a change to Naga Sea Witch, and we'll talk about that in detail a little bit later, um, but that they were also watching a bunch of cards carefully, and they were trying to decide, you know, what, if anything, they were going to be doing, and then today we got word that balance changes are going to be coming um, after the HCT playoffs are done, which will be in two weeks. So this, this coming weekend is the America's 
playoffs. The following weekend is the Asia Pac playoffs. And then after that, we'll get nerfs. And, and this, by the way, this is the pattern. Like, this is actually re fairly quick for nerfs, given that the metagame isn't nearly as oppressive as, like, the Druid metagame was in Knights of the Frozen Throne. But they also are trying to be, to give us advance notice and be respectful of uh, tournament play. So by letting us know that something is coming now, but waiting until after playoffs are done, it means that they're giving us advance notice that something's coming. They don't necessarily need to tell us right away because we, then we're just going to feel bad every time we lose to it. And But they're also not disrupting playoffs to make this change and not making the change right in the middle of playoffs when people have been, especially HCT, have been uh, preparing for weeks, uh, possibly since the um, since the set dropped, to bring their lineup. So if they were to drop a nerf right in the middle of that, that would kind of throw everything off. So presumably, I would expect, I mean, they said end of May, I would expect that we're going to see those nerfs pretty much like the day or two after um, after HCT playoffs are done to give the players who are in championships, which is going to be in middle of June, as much time as possible to be able to practice with those decks. Um, I, I would be very surprised if that's not the case. So I, I think that we'll probably see a, a very uh, distinct change in the meta in the next couple weeks. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Saddle had a really good tweet today about how, like, this is the, the embodiment of a no-win situation because, like, they gave us advance notice and they didn't disrupt playoffs, and yet, um, and yet they are still getting blowback because people are saying, well, you know, why can't you just tell us now? Why can't we have them now? So you're never going to make everybody happy, but I think that they're handling this really well. I think the fact that they're willing to make a change this quickly, I, I, I almost would like them to take a little bit more time, honestly, but they also are kind of have their hands tied a little bit by uh, HCT. Like, they either are going to make a change at the end of May or they're going to have to wait another month to do it because of the HCT um, schedule. So I think now is fine. And I think that we have a couple of things that... Um, you know, that we, we can address. I'm going to talk about specific card changes that they talked, or cards that they're looking at um, in a second, but I, I think that the way that you want to handle the next two weeks is if you are doing well with something, if you have a deck that you're doing well with, I would say take this opportunity now, especially with the, with the ladder changes, to do as much climbing as you can, because it may be more difficult in an unsettled meta that may only last a week. So, if you are the kind of person with the skill sets who get yourself to the next floor in two weeks, I would make that my goal. Um, I'm probably going to end up tryharding a little bit more than I expected to the next couple of weeks. Oh my god, can you hear that? There's somebody like blasting their radio with their with their window open. This is this is summer in New England, folks. Um, I mean, it's summer. It's like it's like 70 degrees, and it's like the summer is here and everybody's in shorts and, and t-shirts and like windows open blasting the radios, you know? Um, but anyway, I, I would, I would try to do that. If not, then I would say, again, if the meta is completely getting you down, it's reasonable to take a break and see what happens with the nerfs. I would, 
caution you not to put all of your hopes and dreams on card changes, making the meta exactly what you want it to be. Because at the end of the day, there will always be a boogeyman. And, and I see this happen every time we have nerfs and every time we have new cards. And it there are there is always going to be an oppressive deck. There's always going to be something you hate playing against. And this is not going to change that. It's going to change the specifics, but it's not going to change the... It's not going to change the general climate that there's going to be a boogeyman or two. And there are going to be decks that you don't like playing. And they're just going to be different. And I would expect that Aggro Mage may end up becoming more um, more prevalent because there, nobody's talking about any changes to that. Taunt Druid and Spiteful Druid, uh, if, if Spiteful Summoner comes out of the other side unchanged, which I don't expect it to, but Taunt Druid may become more, um, more oppressive than it is right now. And we may see some of these newer decks that are coming out, like there's a, sh again, Shutterwalk Control Shaman is a deck that I think is actually not bad. And I think that if you're not putting all of your resources into just surviving long enough to start getting the combo off, it could be a legitimate contender. And there's been a lot of work around Control Warrior as well, that, um, and Big Spell Mage as well, that are, are viable decks that are just not getting a lot of press right now, that might end up being just as oppressive in the new meta. So I would not go into this thinking that everything's suddenly going to be like, uh, you know, a wonderland of diversity, right? I think that the goal should be that we're getting to see more of the Witchwood cards played, which is not the case right now. And and it feels it does feel somewhat like it did um, right after Frozen Throne was launched in that we got a lot of new toys and we're not able to actually use them because the old decks that were pop that were powerful just got more powerful and don't really need a lot of the new cards. They just swapped out other cards that are from classic or from the older set. So we're not really seeing a lot of the, the, the strategies that you would expect to see in which would outside of like odd even stuff, which is again, more like two legendaries and a bunch of classic cards for the most part. Um, so that's, that's how I would approach the meta changes. But I think that, you know, there are some things that are wrong with the meta that are unfun to play against. And I think that we can probably identify them. And I'll, I'll talk about what my thoughts are as far as what should change with the with the individual cards, if anything. All right, so so what's wrong with the meta, right? And we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago. And I think what happened is that we actually have a healthy meta, but not a fun meta. And I think a lot of people think that healthy meta and fun meta go hand in hand. And they, they sometimes do, but they don't always. Because if all the decks are really frustrating and annoying to play or play against, but they keep each other in check, then you have a healthy meta. It's just not a whole lot of fun to play in. Like, the way you want to think about it is, and I'll put a link in the show notes at offcurve.com, but... There was this one episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns goes to the doctor and the doctor tells him that he's basically got every disease imaginable, but they're all trying to get through the door at the same time. So they so they keep each all each other in check. And so by virtue of, of Mr. Burns being the sickest man alive, he's actually healthy. 
and but if one if one thing goes out of whack that he could you know die on the spot so of course mr burns walks out and says so you think so you're saying i'm invincible <laughs> so that, that's kind of what i think about with like a healthy meta is that you have all of these horrible things that are all kind of preying on each other and keeping each other in check and so you do have um, you know, some healthiness, but they're also choking out more interesting ideas, I think is a lot of the problem. And again, it's, it's like you getting the, you get the feeling that you have a lot of new toys and you're not getting to play with them. So, so what are the problems with the meta right now? And, and again, we talked about this when we talked about the meta a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about the difference between like a rock, paper, scissors meta and a, um, and a beat em or join a meta. And again, we have basically three problems that, the designers have, have called out of that contain cards that they want to they want to look at and those are kind of choking everything out and th those are basically preying on each other right now so you effectively you have paladin odd and even mostly mostly even um a little bit of murloc you have warlock which is the line between control warlock and cube locker kind of blurred right now but they both kind of re revolve around cheating out Void Lords and Void Lord accessories and resurrecting them. And then you have Quest Rogue, uh, which is just basically playing the quest and then bouncing a whole bunch of stuff forever and then turning them into five fives and beating you in the face with them. So the, the two things, the things that, that all these decks have in common is that they're not new. Right, and that's what a lot of the unfun feeling is. Like, even Paladin is kind of the newest of these, just because it's using Gangramine. But it's not really a new deck. It's basically the same Paladin deck that we were playing in Cobalt and Catacombs. It just is playing two drops instead of Murlocs. Um, you know, the, the actual players have changed, but the general idea of, you know, putting a whole bunch on the, on, of stuff on the board buffing them and then hitting your opponent in the face and swarming them is, is, is something that we've been seeing for a while. It's basically been the Paladin MO for a long time and Call the Arms kind of, you know, put, took that up to 11. Warlock is, you know, everything revolves around cheating out Void Lords. You have Possessed Lackey, you have Dark Pact, you have, um, you have Cobalt, uh, well, Cobalt Librarian is a, is a card they listed. Um, the, actually, the only card that they didn't list is something they're looking at is Void Lord, and I think that makes sense because Void Lord on its own is a fair card. Like it's a nine, it's a nine drop. Like Obsidian Statue is also a very powerful nine drop with Taunt. With a very powerful Death Rattle ability that does not that as soon as Barnes and Yashiraj went away, stopped being played. And that kind of tells you something, right? Like Big Priest was a deck until this expansion, and once Barnes and Yashiraj went out. Obsidian Statue stopped being a card. Uh, it, so, you know, it's fine to have a 9-drop with a powerful Death Rattle if you're playing it for 9 mana. If you're pay, playing it for 5 or 6 mana, that's more of a problem. And then then we've we've talked at length about the problems with Questroke. Uh, you know, we don't need to go into that again. So, I want to go through all the all the cards that they listed and, and talk about what I think is wrong with them and then what, what I would do to fix them, if anything. Um... Call to Arms is, I think, the biggest culprit on this list. I think it's, it's number one with a bullet. I think it, it really does need to change, ultimately. I think that being able to 
especially in an even paladin where you're able to put six mana worth of stuff on the board for four mana is um is not it's not good for the game i i think ultimately and and you've seen that every powerful deck wild or standard doesn't matter with the exception of odd paladin really over the last six months has involved called called arms like when i went to legend in wild with breakfast paladin it, it was noticeable it was tangible the difference between games where I drew Call to Arms and games where I didn't. If I drew Call to Arms and it wasn't a mirror, I probably won't. And if I did not draw to Call to Arms, I had a much harder time. It's not its not really exaggeration. I was tracking it. I, I was tracking it informally, but I was tracking it. And every time that I thought about, you know, a game where I won, did I draw Call to Arms on, on Curve? Yes. Every game that I, that I drew that I didn't, very often I lost. So I think that that's, I mean, the thing that Call to Arms does is it just swings so many things. Like it dumps six mana worth of stuff onto the board. It improves enough of your draws. It, it basically takes a third of your deck and dumps it onto the board and makes those cards, cards that you're not going to top deck later and cards that you don't want to top deck later. You don't want to draw a two drop after turn four, really. You want to be drawing your bigger cards. You have that many two drops in the deck because you want to you want to swarm the board, but you don't want to be drawing them later. You want to be drawing your your avenging rats and your um, life few stegodons and your true silver champions and your silver swords. You don't want to be drawing you don't want to be drawing an Amani berserker on turn six. So Call the Arms does all that for you, and there are other powerful effects that do that. But like the ones that are not that are much more variable. Like Oaken Summons is a powerful card. But typically, it very much restricts your deck building. Like, if you think about the difference between Called Arms and Oaken Summons, Oaken Summons is giving you four mana's worth of stuff, plus six armor for four mana, which is reasonable, right? And the deck, the, the card that you're playing, it means that you're limiting your deck really to four drops. You're not going to play any cheaper minions in that, other than, like, Tauntruid sometimes plays Tar Creeper. But other than that, and you can't really play cheap battle cries, which means that you're not playing silences. You're not playing um, things like, well, you can play greedy sprite. Some do. It's not a great idea. Um, you know, anything that you're, if you're using, if you're using any sort of a weapon removal, you're limited to Harrison or the five mana ooze. Like it, it materially affects what happens in your deck. And Call to Arms says, just put a bunch of put a bunch of early minions that you're probably gonna run anyway. And then if you don't draw them early, then we'll get them out of the deck for you. And it just it swings the deck too much. And and you can see that by how how it's been included everywhere. I think that and I believe Cream Puff said this too, and, and I agree with him, that I think the, the most elegant way you change this card is you make it recruit three minions that cost one mana apiece. Or, or up to one mana. So you could play things like Wisps or, or um, Tiny Fins or um, Snowflipper Penguins if you wanted to. Because, like, three mana... Like, right? Okay, so so this is the thing, right? Like, because I've heard this... I've seen this argument made and, and the, re the response was, well, you're going to need to give it a mana reduction. And I don't think you do. Because, like, Small Time Recruits was a card that was printed in Mean Streets of Gadgets and that was a three mana spell that said draw three one drops from your deck and that was a fair card it didn't see any play because hand buff wasn't a thing but there were some hand buff and aggro aggro decks that played it 
And you got the benefit, the same benefit of pulling three one drops out of your deck, so you weren't drawing them later. And then you played them from hand, and it was fine. And you could hand buff them if you wanted to. That didn't end up being a thing, but you get the idea. So for four mana, now we're targeting one and two drop minions, and we're playing them directly. So that seems kind of out of whack. And, you know, if what you're saying is that you're going to get three one drops out of your deck and then play them immediately, that seems a little bit more reasonable. Like, it's one extra mana to put those minis into play. That's not, that's not unreasonable. Um, and not to mention the fact that one drops are not generally as useful as two drops. Like, there are a lot of good two drops. Like, you look at, I mean, Amani Berserker feels like it's, it's scraping the bottom of the barrel, but it's not really. Um, I mean, you look at Knife Juggler. You, knife Juggler's probably the biggest problem, really, because Knife Juggler comes out of it and then immediately triggers. Um, you get Direwolf Alpha. You know, Acidic Swamp Ooze is, like, the only low roll, really. You get a, you get a Dry Gulch Jailer, and then you get three more things that you can, you can throw with your Knife Juggler. It all snowballs from there. I think if you're just doing one-drops, like, yeah, you get an Archid Squire, you get a Righteous Protector, um, you get a Firefly without the extra one-drop. That's fine, right? It's not a big deal. And also, it means that you're not playing in either, either even or odd decks. So, the even and odd decks are going to feel very different from, like, a Merlot Paladin that doesn't run either of them. And it makes it a choice. Do you want to play Call to Arms? Or do you want to or, or do you want to get an upgraded hero power? I think that's the best solution, and I think it will help a lot. Um, they're saying they're looking at the, the hero power from Baku for Paladin. Maybe. I mean, two one ones for two mana is a little bit much every turn. I don't know that... I mean, Odd Paladin doesn't feel like as much of an issue right now, but it's going to be later on. Um, they're saying maybe make it a 2-2 two, uh, two, two for 2, which is the same as Uther's power without the... Um, the kill you effect, so maybe that's okay. I don't know that you necessarily need to, but it's probably good because, you know, even though it's not busted now, we're going to have this card for two years, and, um, it, you know, it, it it probably should be a little bit more fair than it is, because it's going to get, it's going to get out of hand. Um, and they're also saying they're looking at Tarim. I've, I've been thinking about how many times we're getting blown out by Tarim, but I think Tarim is really a product of Call to Arms, that it's this much of a problem. Like, I'm thinking back to, like, before... Cobalt came out, and Tarim wasn't really that much of an issue, and I think that if you make the other changes, I don't think you really need to touch Tarim. I think it's a fair card. It's 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 one of the best cards in the game, but when you're not constantly vomiting minions onto the board, it's it's more fair. So as far as Warlock concerns, I think Possessed Lackey's really the biggest problem. Possessed Lackey and Dark Pact are really the biggest problem. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about Doom Guard needing to be changed. I don't know if it does or not, or if it needed to go to the Hall of Fame. That probably would have solved a lot of the problem. Um... But, I mean, Doomguard is... A lot of the problem, even with Doomguard, is Carnivorous Cube. And the problem with Carnivorous Cube is the fact that Dark Pack costs one. Um, so it's all, like... It's all kind of running together, and it's going into Lackey and Dark Pack. I think that you probably need to change Lackey maybe to six mana, maybe even higher. Um, and it probably needs to recruit a, a, minion, a demon that costs, like, five or less. Now, the flip side of that is it's going to target Doom Guards almost exclusively, so maybe that's maybe it's four or less. Um, there are plenty of decent four-drop minions that you could put in, and then it's it's kind of a decent card, but it's not busted, and it still has value. I mean, again, you're paying five mana right now for a 2-2 two, two and a nine-drop. So, I mean, if you're paying five mana to get a, to get another minion out for free, that minion probably should cost less than five. 
Um, it should probably cost up to four. And then you don't you you get rid of the whole Doom Garden and Void Lord scenario. And Void Lord is again is still a fair card. You can still play it from hand. You can still play Skull Minari and get it out that way. But you're not getting it from Skull or getting it out of your deck, right? It, it's it's the problem is when you're getting expensive minions for extremely cheap. Um, Dark Pact, I think, is the other problem because I think that, you know, it costing one um, is a problem with both Cube and Lackey. And I think the problem with one mana sacrifice effects is that you have things with powerful death rattles like Carnivorous Cube. This is the this is why um, Power Overwhelming went out, too. Because you could just play one of those minions and then drop a PO and... Um, and then it would just die at the end of the turn, and then you get the effect. This is doing it even immediately. Um, I think that a, a very elegant way to solve this with Dark Pact is to leave it at one mana, but silence the minion that you're sacrificing. So it really is a sacrifice. You're not getting any benefit out of it dying. Um, maybe it's maybe the, sa the silence helps other ways. Maybe then you end up getting into some other things with, like, Rattling Rascal or whatever that have detrimental ba battle cries. Maybe that's something that happens, but I, I don't think there's as much of a danger there. But, you know, silencing the, the... The the cards that I see the problem with Dark Pact are Carnivorous Cube and Possessed Lackey and Rin the First Disciple. Those are the three cards that are the biggest challenges with, with um, Dark Pact because it's letting you kill them off when the... You're, they're supposed to be counterplay there and allowing your opponent to silence it first or play around it somehow. And Dark Pack kind of takes all that counterplay away. Like, this was the whole thing with, with uh, Dragon Priest in the last meta, is that you could steal those things, right? And then they don't get them. There's no there's no way to even do that now, because they just Dark Pack them immediately. Um, I, I think Doom Guard's always going to be a problem because it has charge. Maybe they change it to Rush. Maybe that, may, at least so it can't go face out of Gul'dan. I don't think you really necessarily need to change Gul'dan. I think you make these other changes, it's probably fine. Um... You know, I mean, it, it should be a powerful effect for 10 mana. And I, I, I don't know what they would do with Cobalt Librarian. Maybe they do more damage to your face. I don't know. Um, but I think I, I think those two changes to Lackey and Dark Pack would probably help Warlock a lot and kind of slow it down and make it not quite as able to just do nothing and then all of a sudden blow out of the gate and blow you away. And as far as Rogue is concerned, like, Shadow Step's a problem. I've been saying it for a long time. I think that... <clears throat> when the when the card was conceived, it was, um, you know, it, it was giving the two mana discount because you're spending a card in your deck to replay a card like Chilwin Yeti or whatever to heal it and then play it again. I think that the reason that you play Shadow Step is generally to abuse Battle Prize. I think that's been really clear even since the days of original Miracle Rogue. And I think that you don't need that discount. I think that either it costs zero, and it doesn't discount the minion, or better yet, it costs two and maybe discounts it by one or something like that, but I think I think Shadow Step needs to change. If you look at every oppressive rogue deck over the last year and a half, Shadow Step's been part of it, and I think that that card really is kind of a problem. Um, Spiteful Summoner is one other card that they're taking a look at. I think that the problem is really just that they didn't print enough good 10 drops. Maybe you take one of these cards that's um, and, and just kind of nerf it up to 10 with a battle cry, and that might fix it. Um, me, I don't even know how you fix Spiteful Summoner. Maybe you need to make it like 7 or 8 just to to get it to be 
not as much of a swing turn. I think six is too early. Maybe eight is is going to be appropriate because then it really, I mean, if you're only ever going to play it in a deck with 10 drops or eight drops and 10 drops anyway, then maybe it should cost eight just to give you, just to make it a little bit less swingy. Like Free From Amber does that. It, it basically summons an eight higher 10 drop and it, it's a fair card. Um, so that's it for the standard nurse. I'm going to go back into wild with the Naga Sea Witch separately. Um, I think that's a different discussion. All right, so the one other change that's happening is kind of a reversal, and this this needs a little bit of explanation. I'm actually, I'm driving, I'm taking the long way home today, Um, because this is important, right? So, um, Naga Sea Witch is a card that was introduced in League of Explorers that was a five mana neutral minion that said all of your um, all of your cards cost five. And it saw zero play in standard while it was legal. Then after Ungoro came out, um, Bright-Eyed Scout was printed and they made a change to Naga Sea Witch to be it more, make it more consistent with Bright-Eyed Scout, which um, before that, it, it said what it did what it said. That all your cards cost five and that the card text was applied before the card text on the card was applied before the card text on Naga Sea Witch. So if you have a Sea Giant, it costs five, no matter how many minions are on board. After the Bright Eyed Scout change, they changed that so that the card text on the the Giants and and any other card um, is deducted from the five. So if you have five minions on board, a Sea Giant is zero. Um, That had a very material change too wild immediately because you have a lot of giants in wild. You have beyond like mountain giant and molten giant, which just went away. You have clockwork giant, which is based on cards in hand. You have sea giant, you have frost giant. If you're, if you're really hard up, you, you know, you have arcane giant. You have a lot of these different cards that you can trigger off right away. So a number of these decks came around that were basically designed to, um, to cheat out a bunch of a bunch of giants, and they would play Daga Sea Witch on five along with the C- a bunch of eight eights, and they would just win. Um, and and it's been kind of a complaint for a while, and it's a valid complaint. The decks suck to play against. They're not necessarily great decks, but they affect the meta in in same, the same way the quest row did. They're meta warping because you have to be able to answer either play giants or answer giants on five or six. Um, like when I was playing Control Priest, Priest, you had to have Light Bomb or, or Big Priest. You would hold Light Bomb in your opening hand against Warlock and Hunter because you needed to be able to answer that. You just died on the spot, and it's not fun. It sucks, and and you don't you don't really notice it unless you're grinding to like Wild Legend because you won't see it that much at like rank 15. At rank 15, everything's shiny happy, and it's a bunch of like you know people playing old decks they used to play because they're they're in there to clear a quest. When you get up above probably rank 10 that's when the tryhards come out and you see those decks a lot and you need to have an answer for them druids play poison seeds specifically to answer naga sea witch um light bomb is a card that gets played so you know like anything that that can clear the board on six is like a mandatory if you're not just playing giants hero and it's boring like it just sucks to lose to those decks um, and, and honestly, if Wild is supposed to be a place with a, where anything's possible, it's not because you need to be able to answer a board like that. Um, so Altenberg actually had a question, like, should they even be changing the card? Because isn't Wild supposed to be a place where anything can happen? And yes, but 
No. Like, I think that there's... And it's really kind of a fundamental difference in how you... It's a, it fundamentally depends on how you see Wild as a format, right? If you see Wild as simply the place where cards go to die, then yes, don't change it. It doesn't matter, right? But if you are a person who enjoys playing in the Wild format, Nagasi Witch is a big problem. And it... Because it makes a lot of the a lot of it unfun. Like, Paladin's, like, the only thing that's... The reason Paladin became such a thing was because it could just kill Naga Sea Witch before turn six. And that's the other way you win, right? So, that being the case, like, it just created this, like... It, it, it bullied a lot of decks out of the meta. Like, you can't play a lot of the... Like, if you want to go into wild and really, like, try hard with a deck that you had a lot of fun with, you, you can't really do it. Unless it specifically has an answer for Naga Sea Witch, and that's not, that's not what Wild should be. And it, and it doesn't really, like, I, the reason I like Wild a lot is because it really is like a deck builder's playground, and you can build, like, you can take a lot of weird ideas and put them together, but at the end of the day, all those weird ideas need to be able to say, well, can I answer a bunch of 8-8s on 6? Because if no, then I just lose. And it doesn't allow you to have that creativity. It doesn't, like, I, I remember hearing, I, I didn't really try hard in Wild until a couple months ago, and I remember hearing about, like, how diverse the meta was, and you just didn't, like, you would see the same sorts of things, but you wouldn't see, like, a, a really settled meta like you do in Standard. And when I try, when I, when I, the two months that I played up to Legend, I got to a final boss the first month, and then I got to Legend the second month. Like, it was a lot of the same stuff. And... I don't want that for Wild. I want Wild to be a, a cool place where you can do all kinds of ridiculous things. I don't want it to be... You can do all kinds of ridiculous things as long as your opponent doesn't draw an Anga Sewage. And it ultimately... It, it's one of those things where if you draw it on curve, then you win. And if not, then you lose. And I don't think that's what even Wild should be. I think that Wild's a format. It deserves more than that. And I think that... Um, you know, if, if Wild is really going to be an alternative format where you can take all these cards and be able to play with them, then they can't all be destroyed by this one by this one strategy. And I think that, you know, going forward, I think that there should be balance changes for Wild if something happens like this. I think Barnes will be a problem later. And I think that Barnes may have to get looked at. I think it's, re it's reasonable to do that. Just because this is where broken things go doesn't mean that there's, a, there's broken and then there's, there's like... You know, it's like, again, going back to the Mr. Burns meth, um, example, right? If something is pushing all the other diseases out, then it's not good, right? Then then the patient dies. So I think that there are there is a place in Wild for balance changes in terms of keeping the meta fresh and healthy, even though you should be able to do ridiculous things and you should be able to do broken things. But at the end of the day, the difference between Wild and Standard is that that 30-card restriction really does come into play at a certain point. And there's just only so many broken things you can do with 30 cards. So there's a lot of viable strategies, but not all vi most of those viable strategies just can't answer a board of 8-8s on 6. On 5, rather. So, anyway, that's... That's my rant, but I, I think it's really good that they're addressing Naga Sea Witch. I'm glad they're doing it, and I'm I'm actually going to plan to try hard in Standard a little bit more because I want to be able to explore Wild without Naga Sea Witch in it. I haven't really gotten a chance to do that yet, 
And it's one of the things I'm really looking forward to. So I'm glad they're making this change. I'm really looking forward to spending some time in Wild in the, the back half of this expansion. Um, you know, between when the nerfs come down and when, uh, when the new set comes. All right, so I'm driving around my neighborhood, so I really need to stop talking. <laughs> um, as always, you can find me. Um, you can you can find the show notes with the links to everything I talk about at offcurve.com. Um, you can find uh, show notes, um, show notes there as well. You can uh, follow the show's account at offcurve just for announcements of new episodes and other new content that goes up on the site. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at wickedgood. Um, you can also follow me on Twitch on wickedgood.fm. I've been streaming most most Sunday nights. I'm trying to keep that up, trying to find another day a week I can squeak in just to do like a short stream, but I haven't done that yet, but I'm hoping, I keep saying it, hopefully it'll happen, um, and, um, yeah, and then you can also, please, you know, please do leave a review on iTunes if you haven't, it, you know, all of us who do this kind of content, we, we, we do it because we love it, but it helps to keep the tank full when you know that people are listening and appreciate it. And, and, you know, uh, an iTunes review is kind of the best way that you can help get the show extra visibility to get more listeners to get more of that. So if, if you haven't, and you can take the, the two minutes to write a review on iTunes, that it's very much appreciated. Um, or just tell a friend about it. Cause that's, um, that's also really helpful to, uh, grow the audience and just get more people listening. All right. Um, anyway, other than that, uh, that's all I got for this week. Um, you know, just try to keep positive with the, um, with the nerfs coming about out. If you need to take a break, take a break. If, uh, you want to try another format, now's the time. Um, and you know, just be good to each other. Okay. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I know you have a lot of, a lot of things that you could be listening to, and I appreciate you taking the time to spend with me on my drive home. Uh, so, thank you and good luck and uh, have a great one. Talk to you soon.